Hey, this is Pastor Freddie T. Wyatt, pastor of Real Life Sango, and you are listening to the Real Life Podcast. You guys, thank you for tuning in today. Man, I'm so excited about this podcast. Uh, one of my and Jonathan's most dearest friends joins us on the podcast today. Uh, we take a deep dive into his journey. We learn a lot of great things from him, uh, and uh, we dig into Jonathan's sermon from Sunday this may have been one of my, my favorite podcasts yet. So uh, crank up the volume and uh, tune in. You're going to enjoy it. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Good morning, podcast universe. Fred. What's the, up, JV? I think the last time on the we were on the podcast, it was Fred, because we missed last week. Yeah. It's spring break last week. It was spring break. It was the first week that we've missed doing a podcast since we started in October. Did you know that? You guys, no, I did not know that. Oh, yes. your heart was broken that we missed our streak. No, I really wasn't, because I was having too much fun on a horse in San Antonio. <laughs> Okay, I can't wait to hear about your spring break because I have some very pointed questions, but I really can't wait to talk about your sermon. Oh, I can't either. From Sunday, I gave you a grade in five different categories, and I'm going to... C minus, I'm going to present your grade this morning oh, on the podcast. <laughs> and, um, and we have a special, very special guest. Timmy! <laughs> From time to time. Did you hear that little... Mousy laugh. <laughs> Unbelievable. We, we, why, why am I Fifle? Was it Fifle? What was the name of that little mouse, Fifle? Yeah. So what's funny is, yeah, yeah five, Fifle, five foot two. So it's, it's like it all goes together. What's happening? Okay. So, all right. So podcast listeners, bear with us this morning. We do want to introduce you to a very special person, to Jonathan and myself. Uh, and we've referred to him from time to time on the podcast before. Uh, oh, I really have to go back and listen. You I better listen very <laughs> carefully. I'm, I'm scared. Of, so, Tim Newsbomber, how you doing? I'm great, man. It's yeah, good. I can't wait for the podcast listeners to get to meet you. So, this is going to be great. Um, let's just give them a little tease. Right now, you reside in? New Jersey, about so, 30 miles outside of Manhattan. So, we just lost about 30 listeners right there. They <laughs> Come just, on, man. They just turned the podcast off. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 17 right. years? We're trying to... Right Almost to 18. Well, yeah. Seven, 17 and a half. I came up... Wow. Late fall of 2004. So, yeah. yeah. It's it's crazy. It, it's to the point now that when I come back to Clarksville, I have more culture shock coming back here. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I'll never forget, after being up there like five years, I was at a stoplight. Light turns green. The car in front of me it was at least a second and they didn't go. And I, and so like just instinctually, I just hit the horn, <laughs> like go. And Robin, my wife, Robin looks at me and she's like, you can't do that here. And I'm like, they just think I'm saying hello. It's fine. So you moved away. You moved to Jackson, Tennessee. Right. At 18, 19, 20. 19. 19. 19. So you've really been gone from Clarksville since you were 19. Yeah. That's amazing. You yeah. came back for a season so very briefly. it's been briefly. at least, what, 10 years. How old are you now, Tim? <laughs> Um, 48. <laughs> so, Timmy Young Newsbomber. Man. Timmy Newsbomber is in the house, in the lounge. Daniel Cox, DJ Daniel Cox, sipping his latte, spilling his latte over there this morning. <laughs> and uh, so, hey, we're going to come right back and we're going to have a great time on the podcast this morning. So, 
crank the volume, take the scenic route. You're going to want to hear the whole podcast today. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday in real life. We believe God has put you in the neighborhood and in the job and at the ballpark or at the gym, right where he wants you to influence and invite others into his story, into a relationship with him. So here's today's challenge. Text a friend right now. Stop what you're doing. Send them a message and invite them to join you at Real Life this Sunday. Who knows? Maybe it'll be their first step into a relationship with God. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday at Real Life. So text that friend today. All right, we're back. Podcast listeners, this is going to be fun uh, because Jonathan and I both have long histories with Tim Newsbaum. So the first, ba- I said Rach all week, my wife, Rachel, I call her Rach. Uh, the first Baptist boys are, are going to be on the podcast because we were all born and mm-hmm. raised yeah. at First Baptist Church, Clarksville. That, well, that is true. Mm-hmm. Our mother church, our sending church. And um, Timmy, welcome. It's good to be here, man. Thanks. It's good to be here. What what brought you to town? I am here. So uh, I'm a church planter in New Jersey, and I'm also part of Metro New York Baptist Association. And so I actually came down this week to the Kentucky State Evangelism Conference representing MNYBA down here. And it's like, you know, two and a half hours away. So I was like, this is a great chance to come and hang out with you guys and my folks. And yeah. So give us the rapid fire. Tell us about your family, uh, where you grew up, when you came to Christ, how you got called to ministry. That's it. That's Just all? rapid fire. <laughs> rapid and nothing fire. more. That's it. All right. Yep. So um, married to Robin Newsbomber, who I married uh, from Union University, went to you know Jackson, Tennessee, went to school there. We have two kids, a 19-year-old Ian and a 14-year-old Emma. And uh, yeah, man, it, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster. Uh, came to Christ when I was twelve years old. Um, went to a play on the Book of Daniel, and uh, they did an altar call at the end of it. Accepted Christ, and uh, yeah, the, the youth group at First Baptist Clarksville, as you guys know, was pretty. I mean, that was our world uh, back in the day. In fact, I, I tell our folks about First Baptist, and they just they're in in the Northeast. There's not much of a concept of a of a you know, a, a larger church. So when I tell them things like the fact that First Baptist had a bowling alley, for example, you know. <laughs> next uh, to the rocket racquetball court. <laughs> next to the racquetball court. They, they, when I first said that, they thought I was kidding. They were like, that, that didn't happen. I'm like, no, it did. In fact, I remember taking a girl on a date and I was like, hey, you want to go, you want to go bowling? She's like, sure. So I pull up in the church parking lot and she looks at me and she's like, what is this? And I'm like, trust me. And this is like when I was an intern. So I go in, turn on the bowling alley, you know, turn on the lights, That's walk hilarious. in. And then, um, the associate pastor, I mean, was that, was that Catherine Bratton? I don't know. <laughs> can't remember. Um, <laughs> how's that edit button? Sorry, I don't know. Sorry, Sorry Robin. Sorry, Robin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, but I remember the, the Monday after I did that, um, Felt's Dent calls me into his Felt's office. Felt's Dent would have been the administrative pastor. He was the administrative pastor. pastor. Yes. He calls me and he goes, he is like, Tim, you know we have, uh, Timmy, you know we have video cameras. <laughs> right? And I was like, oh, man. He goes, yeah, and that is not a place for you to take your dates. I was like, all right, fair enough. Fair That's enough. That's hilarious. So, yeah, youth ministry um, at First Baptist. Got called into ministry at, um, actually, when I was at Tennessee Tech. And uh, transferred over to Union University at that point, became a youth pastor. Youth pastor became a church planter, 
and uh, moved up in late 2004 uh, to where we are now in New Jersey. And so, but you had an Atlanta stop in there somewhere, didn't you? I did have an Atlanta stop. I was in Atlanta. You left um, Gene. I mean, you left Jackson to go to Atlanta. Correct. Yeah, that would have been like um, I think around two ninety nine or two thousand till two thousand three, and then moved up to New Jersey in two thousand four. Short stint here, and then you went on up to New Jersey. Yep. And we planted, you know, a good, you know, a handful of churches in New Jersey uh, in the Northeast. And uh, yeah, God, God has been good. Obviously, it's very different up there. You know, uh, definitely not a Bible Belt feel to it at all but uh God so, has been so we'll explore that jonathan you and timmy were great friends before i got close to timmy so tell us about how you guys how your friendship forged church camp uh so you're, you're i uh I, I did not attend he was your counselor too <laughs> <laughs> i did not attend uh as a as a student i never went to church camp and then uh, harvey Britton a recreation youth minister at the time, after my freshman year in high school, I was always involved with church, but I just I'm never involved with church camp. So he said, oh, I want you to be the recreation student leader, which meant I wasn't good enough to be like a real, <laughs> real student leader. I just had to be the recreation guy because I don't want you teaching any of the kids anything. That so was any, a vote of confidence. No, like, it was. One day it was. you could be. One day you one could day. be. And I was. Uh, and so so I think, Timmy, I think the next year, I think you were in, you and Blake Hardwick. Yep. Uh, were in my little small group, and that's how I kind of knew Timmy. And, oh, and look I, at that. Mm-hmm. And then after that, uh, he became the, we just knew each other and became the youth intern. Yeah, uh, at First yep. Baptist. Isn't it amazing how when somebody's just a couple of years older than you, they have like legendary status when you're growing up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, totally. Like yeah. like they just have to be like a couple of years older than I you. I can't wait to hear that I'm legendary. Uh so he, Oh, he you is. were talking about me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, was talk, he was talking about both oh, he's of talking us. About you. No, he's talking about both of us Uh-oh. to him. Oh, Moving right along. <laughs> Moving right along. So anyway, so when he became youth intern we kept closer, and then we had a church camp. Uh, Chris Olive, I don't know if Chris Olive listens to the podcast. What's up, Chris? But um, we had a, just a, a monumental church camp experience one year. I don't know what year that was. And we were uh, truly, I don't ever say this, but we were truly led by God to really start something even better at the youth group at, at First Baptist. Philip Herring mm-hmm. was doing a great job, obviously, uh, at the time as youth minister, and uh so we picked up this weird, unknown Bible study called "Experiencing God." Yeah, and uh, and so we you and you and Timmy did Timmy together. and I guess me and, I don't know where we picked it up, but it, we said we're going to do it, and so we just we started doing all this ourselves with Chris Olive, and I mean Philip Herring came down and got slammed us. It's oh, like no, 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 yeah, no, yeah. you got to do this through the church. You can't do this that's outside funny. the church. <laughs> and we had a uh, it was a it was a semester long, maybe a year long. I can't remember now. And it really, if you heard my sermon on Sunday, you heard remnants of experiencing God. It was, it was truly a faith-moving mm-hmm. Bible study for me. And then after that, you know, Timmy moved to Jackson, and I'd go down there probably about once every two or three months. And I was actually in his wedding. I didn't even get invited to yours, Fred. Check it but off. I was, I was in Check his off. wedding. And got to uh, cut somewhere. Got to be. Yeah, got to be Rob somewhere. You know? So <laughs> can't uh, invite the whole town. <laughs> So anyway, anyway, so uh, in fact, let me give you a funny little story. I've only gotten one traffic ticket in my life, and it was 
like a month or two before you get married. Most you, lawyers can get out of traffic. Well, I didn't. Too. I was in Dixon on with a THP, Tennessee Highway Patrolman. And I was rushing you to the airport for some conference you were going to, and I was blessed, blistering 82 miles per hour down a hill. In Dixon, Through Dixon Texas. to get to the airport? On I-40, on I yeah. Was, wait, I was with you? Oh, from I Jackson. I took you from Jackson to Nashville. But like you, when I you got pulled over, I was with you? Yeah, and you said, oh, no, no you got a ticket. I'm like, yeah, I got a ticket because I was speeding because of you, brother. <laughs> uh, I think, did oh, I ever I bill so you for special. that? Did I ever bill you for that? I should have. No, $80 ticket. So, oh. so let me just give like a little preview here. So uh, I'm not a huge fan of sarcasm. Like oh, just no 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 no. Yeah, hear me, me out. Hear me, me out. Neither. No no no. Are you serious, Timmy? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> seriously? No 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 really no, 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 no. All right. So I'm seriously not a fan of sarcasm. I I feel like when you know unless you're dealing with like ancient relationships, if you're dealing with new relationships, relationships. no no no. no you know, sorry. If you're dealing with like newish newer relationships, it can be really damaging. It just can be. It doesn't build trust. Sometimes you have, you know, you hurt people's feelings without realizing it, you know. I mean, and, you know, and, and sometimes it can be like a lash out out of insecurity even. Like you're mm-hmm. just trying to kind of shield yourself from anything serious or whatever. But, um, but like, there's a lot of sarcasm between the three of us. So <laughs> I just want to let the podcast listeners know. I'm just going to, fair warning, right now, that you may hear a lot of sarcasm. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we got roots. We got deep roots. So it's fun. So we don't commend it as um, an edifying practice that you ought to exhibit at your work environment it's, or in your so home environment. It's an art for us. <laughs> so do as like we say, not as we do, right, <laughs> is right. what you're saying? I really am. I really am. Okay, so Jonathan, um, I, what I'd noticed from what you just said is like the bonds that form over like spiritual pilgrimage together. Oh, yeah, for sure. I remember when we went to church camp, it's the only time I ever, I think, slept in the back of a truck bed. Remember that night we went up there a day early because we we're going to prepare. I guess we were eating MREs because Chris's dad was military. That's right. That's a meal is ready to eat yeah. for those people that don't know what MRE is. And uh, <laughs> I did not eat them. I starved. Well, I don't know if I don't know if when like I came up and was like in sixth grade or whatever. I like I don't or uh, yeah I don't know if by that time you were still a counselor and you were our intern. But I just remember, like, you coming out in your underwear, Jonathan, oh, half asleep, going, you know, you comes. guys, oh. like, you got, like, you know. You Go ahead and say tidy whities. Go ahead and say what you're going to you say. You said it. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, oh, man. you know. That's you an got, image I just I did know, not need this early in the you morning, guys. eyes rolled back in your head going, you guys, you really need to go to sleep, you know, all this, you know. But, but then, like, trying to make us feel guilty, like, of how we were bothering you and. I feel um, like if we went back there, that exact same thing could happen like tomorrow. Yeah, I think so. Everything, ev- everything about but, it. But the reason I, the reason I bring it up is there was like you guys, Timmy, when you were our youth intern, you guys would like you can't do anything that we used to do at camp, you know, like without like it's just a different day. But <laughs> we'd, you guys we'd be canceled for sure. Yeah. Well, you guys would like uh, if a kid was misbehaving, you would get him out of bed and you'd make him run and you would drive the truck behind him. Like while he ran down the camp gravel I want road, the, I want the record to show that did not happen under my watch. <laughs> that was a Timmy Newsbomber deal. Well, I don't think that was me. I, have, I plausible deniability. I have no memory of that. Yes. You know, I, I, I have uh, heard the rumors okay. of Hillmont Camp over the years. Okay, so Jonathan, what? Get, just give us like your most like hilarious, grandiose story with Tim. Oh, boy. oh gosh, I don't, I don't know about that. Okay, uh, see, I, I'm very. 
calm person. No, Did, no, okay, okay. Ever, no, no, no. There's, there's got to be plenty of things. Okay, well, I, you hold that. You be thinking, Timmy. Okay. What? Uh, so Jonathan, he was your camp counselor. Yes, he was. Yeah, him, yeah. him and Wally both. His yeah. brother, you know. Wally. Yeah, I, I remember having like late nights with the two of them, talking about, uh, you know, the rapture. I remember, like, you know, now. And, what did I say? I don't know, but like <laughs> Get at ready. the time, you believed in a rapture. I didn't. Yeah, I, well, I did at the time, and yeah. it was years later. I'm like, oh wait, the rapture's not not in the Bible, huh? <laughs> Timmy, when you think of Jonathan in all sincerity, mm-hmm. when you reflect upon what forged your relationship with him, what you treasure most, why why you're in a podcast this morning when you could have been doing a hundred other things? Tell yeah. us, tell us about your relationship with Jonathan. So literally. I don't know if I've told you this before, like, but when I when I think about you, I literally think about like our late night talks where we would just for hours talk about like the Bible and you know end times theology, experiencing God. Like literally, that's that's what I remember. Like, of course, all the goofy, crazy stuff at Hillmont. But my first memory, and I, I'm not saying that to over spiritualize it. It really is. It's those late night talks with you and your brother. And so, so cool. Um, where where did you guys do those? Uh, often in your basement, mm-hmm. right? That's, Mom and Dad's that, basement. Yep, yeah, exactly. Where I'm still living, and I'll just move back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, that's what I love is is like we often underestimate the influence that we have, you know. Mm-hmm. And in in even when you're in those teenage years uh, or young twenty years, you're you, you all you got to be is like just a little step ahead of somebody, and you've got massive influence. It's so crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Like just, just one year uh, upperclassmen. You guys are how many years apart? Two or three? Two. Well, I found out last night. I two. thought we were three, but we're only two. Two part, years, two years yeah. apart. Yeah, okay. two years apart. Yeah. Two grade levels apart. Two. Was it like? I think we were three year grade levels. I think that's right. Yeah, and two. And then you two. and I are how? Two. I graduated ninety six high school. Oh, ninety two. Ninety two. So four, okay, four, four years. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's almost like an identical stair step grade wise. You guys right. are three years apart. You we're and I four. are four years apart. Yeah. 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 Well, so so my experience with Tim, Timmy, Timmy. Now your church in New Jersey. They know you as Tim. They, they only know me as Tim. Okay, so yeah. we better yeah. say Tim from now on. It's like yeah. Fred and Tim now. Fred and Tim. <laughs> yeah. Fred and, but, I can, can I circle back real quick? Yeah. So you said you said this from the pulpit, but you've never made the connection, Freddie. For those people that, that listen to Freddie's sermon about Susan and then moving to, mm. her moving to New Jersey to do a church plant, and you followed her, and we get this whole thing about you working at Starbucks, and somebody did something about Victoria's Secret. I can't remember now. That was a great story. Thanks uh, for Yeah, there Thanks you go. Uh, and But it was that church plant that your wife did, Freddie, that Timmy ended up stepping into and leading through to what he's got now. How many campuses do you said at one time? We have uh, like four. Four campuses right now. now. Yeah. So there so you go. The, cir- the circle's tight. It's so crazy. Yeah, back in two thousand and whatever that was, and there was no communication. It wasn't like Susan and no. Freddie that's and Tim right. That's right. Upcoming, and it was like you've got to be kidding. Tim's going to be the next pastor. Yeah. And um, how how old was the Point Church when you came in to, as pastor? I mean, we hadn't even launched. It's, it's just yeah, going. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, just going. It, yeah, you, you guys kind of did the pre-launch. In fact, one time Freddie T came up. I don't. We we we, we, we just had, we call had Fred launched, today. but you guys had different iterations of it. Like we we had launched in the hotel, and Kevin was preaching. Or, yeah, or I think guys, it was that like preview services, maybe because like our official yeah, launch, maybe maybe our official yeah. launch was a blizzard, yeah. which you know, uh-huh. <laughs> things you learn like don't start a church in New Jersey in January. Yeah. Uh, first service we did, 
couple feet of snow, buses were done. The only people that showed up were the staff that were being paid by the church. That was our first wow. worship service. What did they think about your sermon? Wasn't my sermon. It was uh, Kevin Pounds was oh, the uh, Pounds. was right. the lead guy at the time. But you know, Freddie. When Freddie came up of years later, he told our church, he's like, "Hey, you know, this is the church I started." <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, actually, it's the church his wife started." Surely, surely, I didn't say that to me. Surely, no, yeah, that. you definitely, you definitely. I didn't. think. Well, I think what I was trying to say is I, I taught you how to play ping pong. <laughs> oh, oh, don't even bring up table tennis to you. Oh my goodness, uh, yeah, okay. he's got a little chip on his shoulder. It's fine. I've tried to teach him, but. He's a slow learner. I remember you and Scott Samuels. Yes, that's right. This is mm-hmm. Freddie's brother-in-law, Diana's husband. I mean, y'all would just go at it. Oh, man. Remember that? It oh, was yeah. Intense days. They were all trying to get good enough to be good. <laughs> <laughs> he was still Freddie, getting, Freddie was still getting taken Freddie off his Freddie was like the little kid that was always like tugging on me. Timmy, can you play one time? Freddie, seriously? Well, here's what's, so here's what's, here's what's fun for me with Timmy. You know, it's like, for me, Timmy absolutely had legendary status because he was our youth intern. And he wasn't just our youth intern. Like, he was a great youth intern. Like, God's hand was on him. The call of God was on his life. And he was just, like, cutting his teeth, and we were soaking it all up, you know. Um, and so so that was happening. Um, ten, to couple, so a couple of things. Tim invited me to do my very first ever Disciple Now. So I was a college oh, student yeah. at UT Martin. He was a youth pastor in Jackson. And, he, and I was probably 20 years old. I'd probably just quit playing baseball and maybe I was still playing. I don't, maybe I was like 18 or 19. That was probably, it was probably my freshman year. I was probably 18 or 19. Anyways, I drive down to Jackson. He sticks me in a home back in the day we did it co-ed. I had like 13 co-ed mixed grade high schools. Like you do. Lucky <laughs> do. And uh, I still remember some of those kids, Justin Perry. Yeah. Who's, who's, who's now a, a pastor in, in Tampa. Yep. In Tampa. Yep. Amazing. And uh, Laura Harris. Harris, yep. Rufus Her married oh, name right. is... Um, not hmm. married now. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. Laura Harris, maybe. Yep. And uh, so, uh, but we did like one-on-ones yes. with kids yep. back in the day, you know? Which that was like the most important part of the disciple. It now absolutely weekend. was. So, hey, here's a weekend. Have 13 one-on-one deep spiritual conversations. No big deal. With varying <laughs> ages, you know. And uh, we we did not know any better. I just remember trying to drive back from Jackson to Martin, and I like I almost fell asleep on the road like a hundred times. But, but I'm so thankful you believed in me as a young college student to put me in that kind of place of of ministry. And you know, one of our values at Real Life is equip and empower. Mm. And I don't know to what degree I was equipped, but but you empowered me, mm. and in you empowering me, I, I grew in being equipped. You know, yeah. Well, those weekends were powerful. I yeah. mean, they really like. Yeah. I know we joke about it, but they were really. There's something about getting away for a weekend and those one on ones. I know. That I, I like looking back. I'm like, how in the world do we do that? But those. That's where like the real life change would often happen, and yeah. people would you know be vulnerable. So yeah, it was I good. think though it was the first disciple now I ever led was you invited me to do it, and that it just lit a fire in me because I just said yes to the ministry the summer before my mm. freshman year. And I vividly remember conversations I had with kids. So, Timmy, thank you, man. Yeah. So, you know, for you loyal podcast listeners, when we had The Disciple Now, and it was the podcast after The Disciple Now, uh, we, we went through this a little bit. <clears throat> and my first Disciple Now that I ever did, Timmy invited me. So wow. if anybody knows, they, they always used to have a dinner 
on Thursday night, you meet your group, you meet your host. Dude, home, it was and then, it was beyond epic. Yeah, and yes. the whole experience. And then Friday after school, you got your stuff. You're you're loading up. You're going to these people's houses, and you know all the the, the counselors. I don't know what you call them, leaders were there on Thursday night. And my first disciple now that Timmy invited me to, he invited me Friday morning. <laughs> Friday morning because somebody dropped somebody out. Came. Oh. <laughs> so I would have been like, That's right. You were on like the you were on the B team chair. We didn't have enough cancellations <laughs> to our wedding, Jonathan, to get you on the list. Dang. So I showed up Friday. No, but we said this. I had like 13 co ed. And I remember Timmy was saying, listen, there's a girl in the group that really needs some one-on-one attention. <laughs> she, she's close, I think, to understanding the, the truths of Jesus marriage, and what he's done. The, the truths of marriage. No, and so I, I've got her, and her name was uh, Tasha. And by the way, it wasn't Tasha. It was somebody else. So I sat there and talked to her for like an hour and a half about Jesus, how much she loves her, and da 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 And so I told Timmy, I was like, I think I made some headway. I really presented the truth of God's Word to her and how much he's like, Oh, no, no, no. She's great. Oh, I need you to talk to that other girl. <laughs> I was like, oh, dude, that was 10 minute conversation. You're like, that's awkward. <laughs> that was awkward. But yeah, no, Timmy was, uh, Timmy is so, I think, I think one of the things about Tim, are we calling you Timmy or Tim? I'm calling you Tim. Both. Are you, you're in Tennessee. Both. Timmy. Uh, I think one of the things that, that I love about Timmy, that Timmy has so much depth, but he is so approachable and he's serious but you would never think um, that he you couldn't come to him for just the littlest, silliest things. Yeah, that's a really mm. good description. Uh, approachable, deep, very that's, deep and approachable. Yeah. And yeah. and I think he has his his he is a great leader. Um, he just you know he's not going to be this hammer down on your head, but he he's got this nice underlying fluid way of showing you. Uh, the better things that you could He's expect. gentle. He's very gentle. Gentle. The fruit of the spirit is yeah. gentleness. Mm, um, so, so one, I want to pick your brain a little bit about the Northeast. So that'll be, so mm-hmm. hang on there. Um, but I do want to pivot back. You know, we're just bouncing from serious to sarcastic back and forth, but um, because of these like deep bonds, like we've developed these ongoing jokes and what I, what, what's amazing to me. And I feel like you just humor me is like, you're always up for the jokes and you always laugh at it like they're brand new. So I've been teasing everyone everywhere because when you went to Jackson, I mean, when you you went from Jackson to Atlanta, Piedmont Baptist Church, you had me come down there and lead Disciple Now. Yep. And I would, you'd have me speak and lead the group. Thank you very much. That was absolutely exhausting for, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Got to earn that $150, yeah, yeah. $150 um, honorarium, man. But. <laughs> But what <laughs> I, I didn't get invited to Atlanta. Shake it off. Thanks, it Tim. Off. Nobody canceled. Nobody Tim on that one. <laughs> Nobody you're canceled. On the, you're on the C team list. Don't worry. If I had two no more cancellations. Anyway, I interrupted you, Fred. Well, sorry. Uh, so so Timmy is small in stature, large in courage and faith. You know, so he's a short man, and uh, so so like, you know, like an 18 year old or like a high schooler who would rib their youth intern for being short. I'm now 44 and still ribbing you mm-hmm. for being short. So so I asked Jonathan when we said you were coming in, I said, do you have enough pillows for Timmy to sit in a chair? I do to have re- a booster seat. To reach the microphone. Well, Freddie, I got to be honest. When, when you started talking about when you came up to Union University for Disciple Now, you know the story I thought you were going to say? I am going to tell that story. Oh, dang it. We're going to get there. 
So, and Jonathan, you've heard this once before, but I don't know. Um, but but when I was teaching Timmy how to play ping pong, I had to teaching. give him a I had to give him a stand to stand on. Unbelievable! And uh, there's been a couple <laughs> stilts. There's been a couple of times when I played left handed that he beat me, but um, a couple times, yeah. a couple times. Okay, so there there you go. No, all right. So here's my my epic grandiose legendary story of Timmy. Is I'm at UT Martin at college. He's youth pastor in Jackson doing his deal. And it's like one of my first times to come down. I come down for like a concert. Was it West King concert? I don't know. Come down for a concert at, in Jackson. And I'm standing down near the front, like the altar area. And it, it's a packed, it's a packed auditorium. And here comes this guy kind of running, cheesing, you know, kind of like staring right at me smiling and and uh i have no idea who it is and he's walking and he's getting closer and closer closer i still don't know who it is coming fast I'm smiling like, waddling bigger, down though kind of waddling uh and um and he gets about 10 12 feet from me and i'm like that's timmy and and i was like oh my gosh the poor kid just got his wisdom teeth cut out and so he comes up and like he gives me a big hug and like pulls me away and i'm like did you just get your wisdom teeth cut out? And he grabs his cheek and he says, nope, just my college fat. <laughs> just my, my freshman 20 or whatever. Oh, my and I, gosh. And like, I just didn't even have a you concept. Went, oh. I was like, oh, my gosh. And it, like, it just made no sense to me. I was like. And then a couple of years later, I was able to look at Freddie and go, you had your wisdom teeth taken out. Wow, that's a awesome. Whole, a whole handful of them. Yeah. <laughs> But I was full circle. I was as sincere as I could be because I was like, there's no way that he had gained that much weight in that short of time. And you played college. I mean, you played uh, soccer soccer in college. So you were a big athlete. And uh, Well, not, I don't know about big. No, no. <laughs> a little athlete. Small athlete. Big hearted. You were a big hearted athlete. And uh, you had big aspirations as an athlete. Exactly. <laughs> big dreams in my as an mind, athlete. man, I was up there. Um, you had big goals and, you know, big challenges in the, as an athlete. Um, and uh, that so that so was funny. that was that story. Yep. Yeah. Jonathan, any Timmy stories before we ask him about New York and New Jersey? So, uh, he, so I would go down to Jackson. I'd like, like once every month. So he, it was a summer and um, he had like two interns. It was this, I don't remember his name, but he was very athletic, huge guy, really strong. Brad Hembrick? I don't know. Oh, I, Brad I would Hembrick. Have, you, you know Brad? Just really strong guy, like a football player at Union or something. I don't know. He was my director for Crosspoint. Oh, like really? Camp one year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was You're really, talking about a big, strong guy. Yeah. Is it, big athletic guy. He, yeah, he was probably. So, so they yeah, had this, but I don't know if that's who he's thinking. So about. they yeah, lived sure. in the parsonage, which was right next to the church, which just means it's a house next to the church. And, and I'd stay there two nights on a Friday night, Saturday night, and they had this thing at fifty degrees. Do you remember this? No. The air conditioner was so cold. I would sit there at like in the middle of July, <laughs> just sitting there shaking, and it was like it was like a frat house. I, I wasn't in a fraternity, but it was like if I ever stayed at a frat house, this this was it without the alcohol and all the other stuff. But. uh but yeah, so I remember. So my my fondest memories. Jesus were going, turned water into wine, John. Yes, he did. Uh, what did he came? And uh, it's it really it was really that's when I really remember great times with with Timmy was going down to Jackson. Uh, I don't remember all those other conversations with Wally, but uh, the conversations <laughs> with with Timmy going down probably li- literally about once every two or three weeks and just spending the weekend with him. Yep. And uh, we would have more, we, we were so we had so much fun. We I remember this very clearly. 
I got down there on a Friday, and um, you tried to set me up with some girl from Memphis, one of Robin's friends, and because he felt sorry for me because I was like 34 and, mm-hmm. and not ever had a girlfriend, <laughs> and uh, and we went to this like Denny's restaurant. I don't know what it was, and we were having so much fun. She literally thought we were intoxicated. And I didn't drink. That's I didn't drink best. back in the day. And yep. uh, that's the best. Oh, she's like, y- "Have y'all been drinking?" I was like, like "No, no we just filled with Jesus, sister." <laughs> uh, but yeah, those were those were really fun days. That is the best. So, yep. so Timmy, I spent five years in the Northeast. You've been there eighteen years. I remember. I remember having adjusted five years in, and then moving back to the South for six months before moving out to Arizona. And yeah, the 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 uh, culture shifts that take place. Do you remember moving from? Were you in Atlanta area when you moved up? Do you remember moving from Atlanta to New Jersey and kind of the the adjustments, the aha moments that you were like, "Oh, I am not in Kansas anymore here." Yeah, totally. So. It, I will say this. It always takes people longer than you think to adjust to a culture because a year into New Jersey, I would have told people, yeah, it, it took me about six months before I really figured out the culture. <laughs> year three, I'd be like, yeah, it took me a couple years, you know, to figure out the culture. And now I've been up there 18 and I tell people like, I'm not there yet. I, and I'm, I'm not kidding. Like I'm literally feel like I'm still ramping up to be a native because it's it's different than growing up in New Jersey and being a transplant, but I, it, it did occur over time. You know, you just like little things you start to catch in, in the culture and uh, you have to adjust. You have to adjust very quickly. And and, and I think we did a, a pretty good job, uh, but it takes a while. In fact, uh, so I do um, assessments for church planters and I, I told a, a buddy that I work with, like, it's so not fair because when a person wants to parachute plant in from another place, like I'm immediately like, that's like in my mind, that's a strike against them. And I told my friend, I'm like, it's so not fair that I do that. Cause I was that person. It just takes that long that I think it, you know, if you can raise up a native and um, out of the harvest and make them become a church planter, it's just so much more natural. And it, it just, uh, you know, there's not a, as much of a learning curve. Well, you are, a unique story really among church planting to have stayed in an area that's not your culture of origin as long as you have, because most yeah. guys, most guys, you know, it's it, the old adage of discipleship is more caught than taught. It's like the cultural shapings, right? The yep. cultural instincts, the the cultural comfortabilities and wirings. It, it just comes so natural that it takes a really long time for that to be reshaped. It does. But you've yep. stayed you've stayed a really long time. So you grew up in the south. Yep. Uh but now you've been in New Jersey for 18 years. So um what has what's given you kind of that staying power to be there that long? What well, what, what what is what's yeah. um What's enabled you and what's given you the desire to stay there that long? So <laughs> I hope this doesn't sound like I'm over-spiritualizing it, but re- it really That's okay. is. okay. I always do. <laughs> you do? Okay. Yeah. It, it, but it really is true. Like, uh, it, it really does go to calling. So uh, Kevin Pounds, I'll, I'll brag on him for a little bit. He was in the Atlanta area. I had heard that he was planting a church in New York City. And I was like, man, I, I want to pray for you and... We went to Starbucks and literally, I really wasn't trying to do anything other than to just meet up with him and 
pray with him, and God really knitted our hearts together. We started seeing that we, you know, kind of thought the same uh, when it came to ministry. And one day he looks up from the coffee and he's like, all right, are you in? And I was like, yes, I've already talked with Robin. We had prayed about it and we felt like we were called to New Jersey. And I remember before we even moved up, Kevin said to me, he's like, you know, just to be clear, I'm not really offering you a job. Like, um, you know, like I'll have a salary for you, but you know, you just have to understand church planting in New Jersey. It's just, it's a hard thing. And so if you're like looking for a paycheck, I can't, you know, guarantee that. And times may get tough. And he said, like, are, you know, I need to know, are you in whether you get a paycheck or not? And so Kevin and I made a commitment to each other that, like, no matter what, like, like we're planting a church. And that if that means, like, we have to, you know, pick up another job or do whatever it takes, uh, then we're going to do it. And, you know, um, it's one thing to do that in a hypothetical, yeah, abstract, uh, yeah, let's, let's do it. But I'll, I'll never forget... Um, I was on a train into New York City, and I got a phone call from one of our elders and said, hey, Tim, um, you know how you're supposed to get paid tomorrow? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, it was John Zeal. He's, he's like, you're going to get paid, but it's going to be like maybe half of what you're used to. And I remember having that gut check moment where I was like, it was almost like God was saying, like, hey, remember what you said? Now you get to like actually, you know, you, you get to show that. Like, is it really a calling or are you done? And so... Uh, so the reality of what you did at, at your ultimate, how many jobs did you have at one time in addition to running the campuses in New Brunswick and, um, and running all with two other jobs. Yeah. I did housing inspections and then <laughs> we, we trained doctors in communication where they would like, you know, fly you would lead seminars in essence. Yeah, exactly. And this would be all across the nation or even a world. The world yeah. 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 So in addition to what you also were doing, you were having to be that bi-tri-vocational. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's that's the resourcefulness that yeah. can make church planting work. You know, that so many guys, they just don't have that kind of tool belt. They don't have, and not just that tool belt, that level of commitment, that, that's, that robust sense of calling. I love where yeah. you started. God called you. Yeah. When God calls you, there's a sense in which everything else becomes immaterial, right? You've got the calling of God. You've got to fig. You've got to figure it out. You got to step on the water. I remember one time we needed a worship leader, and we were interviewing different people. And I, I got, I was in the middle of a phone interview, and it just hit me. I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy's interviewing for a position. <laughs> and like in my mind, I'm like, that's not really. Yes, that's what we're offering, but like that's, I don't really have a job. Same thing that Kevin said to me. I don't really have a job to offer because it's not a guarantee. Uh, because that's what church planting in the Northeast, as you know, Freddie T, that's, that's what church planting is. It's not, you can't take anything for granted. It's, yeah. It really is a calling. Well, Timmy, let's, there's so much we could explore about your time in the Northeast. Um, but what would you say, how could we pray for the work there in a way that may not be obvious to us here? The, you know, the yeah. cultural, the, I mean, the way you guys culturally navigated the pandemic very, very, very different than here. Yep. The, the, the soil has always been more difficult and, it, and it's taken longer, you know, to, to sow seeds and to see gospel fruit. I, w- I would say that's even more true in the last uh, five, or, five or six years. And I've talked to, I think, both of you guys about this, but, uh, y- you know, because of the culture wars in Christianity, 
that has made it, that's been a, kind of an extra challenge that we've had to deal with of uh, folks in, as you know, a very, very progressive area uh, that we're in. And so I think praying for the churches to maintain their witness, to not compromise like what, what we believe, but at the same time know how to communicate and to love in a way uh, that really does uh, present the gospel in, in both like word and deed. That, that's really where, where, where we're at, and it takes a long, long time. Sometimes uh, uh, some of the fruit that we've seen was years in the making, but um, I think just praying for churches to keep that um, faithful, steady commitment to not get discouraged that you're not seeing, you know, 100 people come to Christ in a day because it, it does take longer. But we are seeing that fruit, and yeah, so I think that's the, uh, that's the prayer. Well, the way you guys have been um, so determined to plant churches out of your churches and to be agile and nimble and adjust, uh, I think God's really honored that in, through your effectiveness. And um, yeah. can, you, can you give us just a real brief snapshot before we take a break uh, of the historical religious climate uh, because I, I know when we were there, that was mm. deeply meaningful to me. Yeah, to know yeah. I'm walking some of the I'm walking past some of these churches where God worked in extraordinary ways during the, the days of the Great Awakening. And can yeah. you just give us a little snapshot of that? Yeah. So you know, and I think you guys have both been on volunteer teams that have been up before. So one of the things that we tell volunteer teams, the first thing I tell them is welcome to the original Bible Belt, because you know people often just think of the Northeast as like this you know, God forsaken place where there's never been any churches, but it was the original Bible Belt. In fact, now when I'm studying for a sermon, I'm often studying overlooking the cemetery where Jonathan Edwards, I can see his tombstone from where I'm studying for uh, my sermon. And for those that may not know, who is Jonathan Edwards? One of the great uh, reformed preachers uh, back in the day, fire, you know, sinners in the hands of an angry God, right. Um, right. Uh, some, some great sermons uh, from him. But not just him. I mean, there were a lot of great like preachers and revivalists that came through. But Edwards is probably unrivaled in he's terms unrivaled. of he's unrivaled. He's unrivaled notoriety and in terms of just the way God chose to use him. Yep. In the days of the Great Awakening, through his preaching and a absolutely, there were there are other guys, some of the Dutch Reform guys like uh, Jacobus Freelinghausen. To, and to give you an idea of the difference between now and then, I was in a church building in downtown New Brunswick uh, um, years ago. And I'm with the pastor of that church, and I'm looking at uh, a picture of all of the pastors of that church. And the very first pastor was Jacobus Freelinghausen. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that's Jacobus Freelinghausen. And the pastor goes, who's that? <laughs> this is his church. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> like, he was—I started telling him about, you know, yeah. Jacobus Freelinghausen. He was a guy that was a fire and brimstone guy. He would stand and do communion every week and as people would walk down the aisle because he knew their lives so well he would either nod yes or no <laughs> <laughs> yes based on like oh yeah i know what you did this week you're not taking communion and he would tell a person whether they could take communion or not this guy had no clue who that was but that's that's kind of where spiritually the climate is now compared to where yeah, it was yeah. back in the day well thank so. you for your faithfulness thank you for your obedience in a hard soil area of the northeast and um, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to JV about his sermon a little yeah. bit. All right. I can't so wait. stay tuned. we got some good stuff coming. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. But man, don't we have a lot of excuses for why we don't honor the Lord with our money? 
You know, ministry takes money. And when you give, God's work is propelled forward. I want to ask you to pray today. Pray and ask God to strengthen your faith, to deepen your resolve, to invest in His work, in His ministry. Worship the Lord today through your giving. Make a sacrifice. Set up recurring giving so that even when you can't be present at church, your gift is present. Simply text MISSION to 97000 to set up giving today. Don't hold back. Don't wait. Give to the Lord. And we are back. And before we dig into your sermon, JV, did we miss anything? Did we did anything as we talked to Timmy that we just should have missed? So, so we, I think Freddie hears and, and I hear um, from many people on Sundays and during the week um, about what the podcast is and what is not. And, and they really are, in, I think, enjoying the podcast. So I don't know if we need to apologize, but we are having so much fun. Not that we don't normally have fun, but we are having fun with Timmy because we do have lots of roots here. Yeah, so we're not offended if you turned it off already. Yeah, so if you're like, I don't know about this, it's just too much. But no, it, this is this is a lot of fun for us, and I hope the podcast listeners are enjoying the heritage, yes. Freddie, yes. of what we both and Timmy yeah. mm-hmm. uh, have experienced in this town yeah. with similar leaders that go to our church today in real life. It's, sure. just, it's just a super wonderful blessing and joy from the Lord this morning. Yeah, yeah. Delighting in God this morning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so pray that God will use you the way the way God used Jonathan in Timmy's life, the way Tim God used Timmy in right. my life, right? It, 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 mm. it continues on, and so everybody needs a Paul, and everybody needs a Timothy, and, you mm-hmm. know, and sometimes intentionally and sometimes organically. And, and you know, we hit it every week, and I'd, I'd hit it in the second service, uh, second sermon, second sermon, second service. Uh, of community group, and we do say to every week, you know, if you're not in a community group, um, or at least in some other type of intimate group that's centered around Jesus and His Word, uh, you really are missing out on the on what God has called you to do. That's and, good, and, be, yep. and being a blessing. And so um, tonight, I get to go to Mark Wineric's, uh community group. We're looking forward to it. Mark, uh, <laughs> let's see what uh, y'all got to say. What are you What are you doing over there? He just invited some of the elders. Uh, I love it. Yeah. So uh, Chuck Colwell, another elder, went. A couple, three weeks ago, and I put it off because of spring break. So I'm going tonight from 6 to 8 past my bedtime mark. So, uh, And they're going to be talking about your sermon. Look at yeah, that. I can't wait. Maybe the podcast. <laughs> Daniel gets it up going today. All right, Jonathan, I got some questions yes, about let your me sermon. Hear it. All right, so... Uh, Tim, did you get to listen to his sermon? I, I did. Are we get? You're gonna get to grade him, right? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fun. I was joking about the grading. Oh, no, you, no, no, you were so not. Excited. No, no, no you were I not. was. But I, I mean, I'll give you feedback. I mean, be glad to give you feedback. It's like great, great feedback. I don't want your feedback. I, no, here's what. I'm just kidding. Okay, Come what? on, check it out. All right. So here's 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 my question though. Yes. When did you return from San Antonio? Uh, so we flew back. We got back in town at our house about eight fifteen, thanks to I twenty four traffic on Thursday. On Thursday, I I totally would not have asked you to preach if I had known. I mean, I knew it, but I totally forgot it. <laughs> totally spaced. You're in San Antonio all week. I you, ruined your spring break. You did not ruin my spring Praise break. God. No, you did not my ruin conscience it. Conscience is a leave. No, no, no. Oh no. wow. You did so not. So wait, so like I you didn't ask him, him until Monday. like oh, no, Monday. no, he asked me Monday. Yeah, night. I texted him on Monday night. We and were, asked if he wanted to preach. Yeah. Because he's like all amped up, wanting to preach, wanting to preach, wanting to preach, which blows my mind. It's amazing. Like and he's doing a good job. 
And do you hear the surprise in my voice? Do you hear He's the good? Do you, hear the, do you hear the good? Not absolutely great. Uh, we're moving on. <laughs> Got to start somewhere. Um, <laughs> He's a slightly above average. <laughs> um, good try. But uh, that's so cute. Yeah. Well, that's what. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I, was, I was going sarcastic. We just don't have time for all the sarcasm. You I started know, it. I did yeah, not. Yeah, I know. We got. Um, so why on earth, when you're on spring break with your family out of the state, do you agree to preach? Um. Gosh, that's a that's a great great question. I don't know that I have because Freddie and I are both like yeah because I don't know that we would. <laughs> so. Uh, so. I just love, I taught a Sunday school class for many years at First Baptist, and it kind of grew into, from what I used to teach, to becoming this, I really got excited about digging deep into mm-hmm. God's Word. And, and you say it all the time, which I think is still a sad thing, that you don't listen to other sermons as much as you may have used to, because you don't want to be... I don't a, think it's a sad thing. I, I know, I, I, I said I said I'll spar with you, you on that No, I don't yeah, have yeah. to. So, because you don't want to mimic, you don't want to take up. So I do, I do listen to a lot of sermons. And Let me just, let me interject here real quick, no, real quick, no. real quick. Most people, <laughs> no, no, listen, most people are, are, are like either more oral learners or they're more like, like linear type learners, mm-hmm. right? I'm very uh, hardwired orally. So it's dangerous for me to listen to a lot of sermons mm. because you'll be a parent and you take on what it can say. so sure. easily just roll off the tongue and it just be what I've heard and not what I've really meditated on. So right. This, this, so I can read sermons and be better edified uh, and mm-hmm. you know than than listening. So I listen to tons of leadership podcasts because I need to grow in that area. But but here's where I don't don't misunderstand this. I well, anyways that so. I got yeah, you. We check talk, it out. We can. We check it out. Let's do a podcast episode we need explicitly to do this. for that. So if you ever have like a Scottish accent during your sermon, we'll know that <laughs> you're Alistair Begg. There you go. <laughs> Selby Alistair or, or Philip, Philip, Philip uh, Dekorski. Dekorski, yeah, out in Los Angeles. So to, to answer your question is, I have listened on WNKJ, uh, World Needs King Jesus. Now it's missionary.radio uh, for years. Tony Evans, uh, Alistair Begg, Chuck Swindoll, um, lots of them. Uh, and so I, I have for years, there's so many things I don't want to do, but w- listening to these great men and, and even the women that were doing these great studies, Elizabeth Elliot and Nancy Lee Dumas, Wagelmuth, I just was like, oh gosh, one day, oh gosh, one day, I would love the opportunity to stand in a group in front of a group of people and to talk about and scream about and get passionate about mm. and get angry about the <laughs> wonderfulness in this word. The wonderfulness of God's word, and so that little Sunday school class—not little—that Sunday school class I did, it almost became like a little preaching thing, which we did more interaction, which I do enjoy. Yeah. Um, But I I would go, I would leave that class completely. I wouldn't say anything for two hours because I was so spent. But it was the most, most field blessing thing I did all week. Wow. And so when you first asked the elders to do it, I was petrified because then I was like, "Well, here you are, big boy." There you go. You want to do it or you don't want to this do is, it. This is beautiful because I'm hearing a longing, a longing to declare the wonders of God, a, a longing to explain mm. and expound on the, the wonders of God. Um, and you were very reticent to become an elder at, at real life. You were like, you were like. I'm still reticent about becoming right, an elder. At right. Life. However, however, an elder's chief work is the ministry of the word and prayer. Like that's an elder's chief work. And you're a resource to our church in a myriad of ways. You support me in countless ways that are outside of the ministry of word and prayer. Um, 
But First Timothy chapter three verse one. Listen to what it says. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, well, what is the office of overseer? What's well, that? That's elder. That's the the, the the term there. If anyone aspires to that office, well, what is that office? What's the ministry of word and prayer? That's what it is. And, and so, it, it's 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 what you were describing was going on internally in you, Jonathan. As you're listening to all these people, that longing is what First Timothy chapter three verse one is describing. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble, listen, task. Hmm. In other words, you didn't want the position because you didn't want the position. I get it. But you did want the task. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I th- and I think most people that know me, I really do like to be behind the scenes. I, I do talk a lot. I learned that from my, my dead mother. But I do talk a lot. But I really like to be behind the scenes. Um, you know, that Sunday school class, I don't think a minister ever showed up in the four or five years we taught it, not one. I don't think they even knew we existed, and I loved it. And so when the elder thing came up, I was like, yeah, I don't know. And, and even when the preaching, the podcast, you know, everything, maybe it's a little self-aggrandizing. It's really not. You know, this is not something that I would normally be attracted to other than I think the, the spirit and the, the excitement of what this could be to this church and maybe to the community or whoever's listening um, so I do fight that. I really don't like to be out there. And so that's the other part about the sermon after the, I think I told you, Freddie, and I know, I think I told you, Timmy, yesterday, after the first service, I, I just felt really like I didn't get what I wanted to say. And I know that I'm not the job to do that. I got that. All right, that. so we're going to get to that, but let me let me ask you, in one sentence, yeah. don't you love how I interrupt you? Yes, you do. It's that's so okay. disrespectful that's, that's when so my great. kids do it to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, in one sentence. Yeah. Why did you agree on Monday night when I texted you and you're in San Antonio on spring break? Why did you agree to preach? Uh, in a sentence. In a, in a, in a, in a you very, can have as many semicolons as you want. In a very, very small sentence. I would love to teach any week. I told you this over and over. Amazing. I've told you when, when right after COVID. Um, I was like... Just tell me Saturday night. Don't tell me Monday night. You're right. Tell me Saturday night that you mean to preach. Chuck Colwell, he preached the last week of December, and I was teaching the next Sunday, January 2nd, on Joshua 1, and he texted me at like 5 or 6 in the morning, or I texted him maybe. I can't remember. And he said he was not feeling well at all. And you didn't see the hair stand up on my, on my arms to say, I immediately wrote back, I'll preach. I want to preach. Mm. I want to preach. And so I felt like, you know, I've said this over and over. This is getting very, very transparent, so I shouldn't say all this, but whatever. Well, keep it real. Uh, Duh. So I feel like for decades, truly, for twenty years, I've just I've been 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 being filled by all these great preachers and the Word of God and, and yes. my trek that you can listen to from from September's podcast, our first one with the elders, of about seven or eight years ago, taking the Word for myself yes. and and reading it for myself and not yes. just have a preacher or have a commentary, yes. or have somebody tell me what the Word of God says. Yes. I mean, you've got to keep your lanes. Right. You've got to keep your your accountability. You don't need to go crazy with it. But actually take the Word of God yourself yes. and actually read it for what it says, yes. and you put it all together. It doesn't happen in a day. Yes. It doesn't happen in a year. It doesn't happen in five years. Yes. Yes. But over time, you, you just I just got filled up, and it's just like I'm ready to burst. Mm-hmm. You know what I I'm saying? It. I love it because I think that this can be true for anybody. You know, right. you're talking about teaching. 
But this can happen for a testimony with anyone, right? The woman at the well encounters Jesus one time. She encounters Jesus one time, and she immediately has a testimony. And what you just said is, I'm going to burst. Well, she goes back to her town and tells everyone, and many people believe because of her testimony. She was about to burst by this encounter with Jesus. And I, there, I asked the question intentionally because I anticipated your response would be something like that of, I can't help but to speak. And it's when you and, and so when you texted me, I did really truly ask the kid. I smiled when I got the text, and I really looked at the family. We were sitting right at dinner right before we started to eat. And I said, "They said, who's that? Is it work, Daddy?" I was like, "No, it's not work." And he said, uh, "I said it's Freddie. He wants me to preach." And they were like, "I said, what do you think?" They said, "No, Daddy, because that's what you'll be thinking about the entire time." And it wasn't. And, and but the, the point of that being is, I smiled because I did not want to pass the opportunity up. But I knew immediately that little fear thing, you know, first day of school or, you know, it already started to turn inside my little stomach yeah. uh, that I was going to be so fearful to, to stand again in front of all those people who some know me very well yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to present God's word sure. and to try to do it in a clear fashion so they would understand the truth. I know that's not my job. That's First Corinthians. I read that the other, yesterday. That's It's not my job. It's the Spirit's job. But I yeah. still have to do a little bit of my part. Yeah. Uh, to clearly present God's truth in a way that is easy to understand. One of the things I love about your willingness to preach and teach is um, you feel things very de- deeply. I do. And you're a humble person, I think. And so you... I'm very prideful in my humbleness, by yeah, the way. Yeah, right. But you often, um, you, you often have a... a you are often dialed into the reality of how, how short you fall. In God's standard, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you're usually really dialed into that and mm-hmm. are eager to articulate that, and yes. that's kind of that you kind of live in that posture, right? Constant, yes, right. Of a fall short, I'm not measuring up. Correct. There's so much more I could do, you know. All of and that. And he has us to remind him of that. I feel that. You know, Kevin, if, you, if you didn't Kevin hear that, falling Timmy short, said, <laughs> and he has us to remind him of that. That's right. But. Uh, um, Sorry, you're, you said we don't have time for sarcasm, and I'm just like, you know. It's so good. It's so good. Thanks. Just get a little serious in here for a second. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, what are you doing for lunch, Timmy? Yeah, <laughs> um, but, uh, what, but what I'm trying to say in this is it would be so, so I think the wrong kind of thinking is I have to arrive at some standard of perfection uh, in order to stand in front of people and have anything valuable to offer. And I think it would be really easy for you to do that because you have a sensitive conscience. You're very dialed into those areas that you fall short. And what you just said is you shared in front of lots of people that know you, yeah, right? So you weren't the visiting preacher where everybody thinks you're like like super spiritual holy. You're like, no, real Jonathan Vinson. An employee, two nieces, clients, you know, friends for a long time. Oh yeah. So I think it requires actually a lot of humility to stand in front of those people that know you well and declare God's truth because you're, you're not standing on your own merits. You're standing on the Lord's merits. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a powerful lesson to, you know, so, so, so we think, well, there's somebody there going to be going, well, I knew when he did this, or I knew, I like, well, that's, I know how he spoke to me last week. Well, that's the whole point. That's the whole point is that God, in his glorious grace, chooses to use 
broken sinners that fall short. They, he chooses to use them in his kingdom in real ways. So, so now everybody that knows your shortcomings and sees how God uses you, now they've got a living parable right in front of them of going, wow, hmm. I don't have any excuses. I was giving God my yes. After the first service, I I went off the stage. It was, and I I felt so deflated. I literally, for those that don't know, behind (laughs) the stage, there's the new curtains. It's like the pre-stage. And then there's a (laughs) door that goes back in some storage area uh, where they keep a lot of the the stuff. And I literally was in tears, on my knees in tears. There was nobody there. I was like, I'm never going to do this again, ever. Uh, Stayed back there for like 15 minutes, finally walked out the back. Uh, it's, it's all my kids. So that's like the last thing I want you to tell me is how great a job I did because I know I did. <laughs> and uh, it was so funny because I think it was Noah Reese. I finally meandered up through the crowd in between the services. And I he somebody said, oh, you did great job. I was like, yeah, you know I didn't. It's fine. I appreciate it though, but I did try. And he said, I think it was Noah, maybe somebody else, but he said, no, 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 no. It's not your work. It's spirit's work. Mm. If you presented the truth, and you did, you, you presented the truth, and it's spirit's work. It's not how good you're saying it. And that's first Corinthians. I literally picked it up yesterday. I was like, what are we going to start? It's first Corinthians one or two. It says clearly I came and I was muttering my words, Mm. Paul says, but it wasn't my words. It is the truth. And if you're listening to me, how eloquent I'm speaking (laughs) and you're going to miss the truth Mm. of what the spirits do. You know, what's so humiliatingly, wonderfully humbling uh, when I preach is when somebody like takes like a great point away that was nowhere in my outline. <laughs> yes. But it, but it came out of the text yeah. and, and the, the spirit but, chose to speak to him through the text. And you they know? tell you like you said it and you just kind of nod your head like, yeah, man, I, I don't remember saying that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, well, that's, I, I absorbed your message and it was wonderful in every way. But I had one of those moments where like the spirit was applying to my heart something wonderful from the text that, that you weren't even hammering. And I was mm. like, God, thank you for your word. Thank you. But your willingness to open up the scriptures, to go slowly through it, to present it in the way you did, created the space for the spirit to speak. And you did great, man. Thank yep. you, Ben. What you always ask me, what's the one thing that didn't make it into the sermon that you wish it had? You know, it's funny because Timmy, actually Rachel's here a little bit before we saw Max get belt promotion to purple belt last night. I have night. no idea what you just said. So we were here last night in the lounge, uh, and Timmy and I would just had a quick little dinner, and then Rachel came by. Gotcha. Just in between karate, my, my boys in karate, and he got belt promoted last night. To Gee, yeah. His fifth, his fifth, his fourth promotion, his fifth belt. Uh, and was, I just, and I said something that, that I really wanted to bring to the stage. I don't know that it's appropriate for the podcast even, um, but, but yes, I think there's a lot if I say anything over and over in the podcast, yeah. it is the consistency of God's Word because God's Word is God and God is yeah. consistent. That's yeah. Psalm 118. I read it this morning. God, His steadfast love endures forever. Love mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've been listening to the Bible Project. Uh, we've talked about the Bible Project. Timmy actually introduced me to that years and years ago. Um, and it's just been something cool about the Spirit and how it's, how it's how it's identified in the Old Testament, especially Genesis one and two, and when you see this word wind, mm-hmm. the wind in how it was in part of creation, and then you see the wind as part of Genesis three upon the condemnation of Adam and Eve, and I thought it was so so cool, and I don't want to get into it too deep here, but how Jesus—that's what the whole point of the immediately and the compelling—that he wasn't trying to save the lost, he wasn't trying to heal the lame, 
but he put before them in this boat this torturous wind. And if you look at these words in the, in the Greek, this torture word kind of comes from the touchstone, testing and trying James. He doesn't tempt, but he does test. And he takes the wind, the testing wind, and puts in front of them to slow them down for them to see. You just said it a while ago. I forgot what y'all were talking about. I think you're talking about Timmy. Is that when we can see the personhood and not see what we're doing, you know, Acts talks about this, what all the what all the uh, the disciples were doing and doing all these wonderful, miraculous things, that wasn't the point. It wasn't the point even of reading Alistair Begg um, devotional. Even when Caleb, Joshua and Caleb, go into the promised land with the 12, and they're the two that come back and say, we got this. We're, but they're just like, no, we're grasshoppers in front of these giants. We're going to get crushed. And, and Caleb, who's kind of unknown, <laughs> says, but we can do this among the fear we need to have the faith because this is not our work. And so, I mean, I think ultimately, I think it was cool that we have this torturous wind pushing them back from getting to the, what their destination was and their work on the other side, but the work wasn't as important. The next thing wasn't as important as seeing the person so sitting good. out there who they now know, so but good. who they forgot because so they good. could even recognize him because he wasn't in a familiar, comfortable place. And so I think it's so good that sometimes we feel like, we talk about a lot of times in here, the pressures of life, maybe self-created, maybe not, maybe community, maybe it's cultural-created. Timmy just talked about that. But maybe it's not. Or maybe God's using that to slow us down. When you're on I-24, what are you doing? To slow us down and say, what, 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 what is the purpose of what you're doing yeah, today? Yeah. Where is God in all of this, and that's what good. are you doing with God? Yeah. And that's kind of... And so that's kind of where I was, and that's what I really wanted to bring out. The first service, it was great. If you went to first service, you can go to YouTube, listen to the second service. Um, but what I was so deflated about is because I really wanted to bring home the point of, of the practice of what we should be doing every single day. And that was, to me, the point. Not, there wasn't a point, by the way, of this parable, not a parable, of this story. There's plenty of, of layers. But what I think is so important, the plain thing here is, that we are supposed to step out in faith toward the personhood, not to what he's going to give us. Remember the rich young ruler we yes. talked about? It's not the eternal life he's going to give us. That's right. Not that that's not that's a great right. thing. No, that's right. that's but right. it's we step out to the person, yeah. and the person will take care of the rest. Well, Jesus said in John 17, verse 3, this is eternal life, knowing me. That's right. The one true God, you know. So and we, not just knowing him one time, faith went down right. front, signed the card, down good. It is this everyday experience with God on an intimate, deeply, daily delighting in him. So I do want to give you a little feedback on your sermon before I do. Um, Timmy, you've been preaching every week, every Sunday for a very, very long time. This is your craft. This is your superpower. This is what you wake up thinking about. This is what you go to bed on Saturday night thinking about. Um, so, um, what, uh, so give Jonathan, give Jonathan, Jonathan some feedback. Um, let's do this. Tell me three things that you, that you thought he did great and give him one, one thing he can do to improve. Three things he did great. So the first one I've already told him this is I've seen seminary grads that can deliver a very technically good sermon but their personality doesn't come through. And you said it earlier, 
like when Jonathan's standing up, these are his friends and it's his life and the vulnerability, it just comes out of you. Yeah. And I'm telling you that opens up people yes. in a way that's like, okay, he's being real. That's and, right. and, and so I felt, and I've said this to you before too, is like, if it doesn't feel like that was your third sermon ever. And going back to what you said earlier, in a sense, it's not, I mean, mm. it's what you've been doing in Sunday school for years, yeah. studying the word of God, unpacking it on Sunday yeah. morning. And so I would just want to say that comes through on your sermon, like really, really well. Um, so his vulnerability, his vulnerability. Comes I, through. And I, I think specifically John, uh, Jonathan, he, he mentioned it so quickly, but he talks about crying, laying in bed, watching the chosen. Yes. Yeah. Very, very vulnerable. Yeah. Very, very vulnerable. What else, Tim? Uh, his, the, the clarity, you know, I think you started off saying, what is it? The plain thing, keeping the plain thing, the main thing, and the main thing, the plain thing. I thought you did that. It was very, um, it was a simple sermon, but it was profound. And I, I kept like you, I kept thinking on multiple levels. I'm like, okay, you, you said this and there are so many layers underneath. And I, I think I told you this last night. I knew when you were preaching, I'm like, when you said the word torturous, I was like, there's more there that he's not saying. And I, you know, you knew that too, because like, like you said, it's what we do. But I, I just knew that for you, the sermon wasn't, um, it's not all that you studied. It was kind of like, it was the overflow of lots of other stuff in there. And you can tell that, like when you're listening to a sermon, you can tell whether it's someone just repeating what they read versus this overflow of like God just filling you up. And that came out as well. Just the, the clarity that comes from really, really studying the Word of God. I agree. I love what you said because the the text, the, the only thing that I sent Jonathan, the, the text message was trim, trim, trim. Uh, and then what was the last little sentence? Uh, I can't remember what the last little exhortation was. Um, but, I can't either now. But, uh, but Timmy, I, I would assume your experience was similar. In your early days of preaching on a regular basis, um, preach the whole word of God, brother. Oh, from just, Genesis to mm, Revelation, right? And as and as a result, you've got so much to say. Yeah, but yep. you but you haven't your learned the art of communication yet right. and how to be effective, and so you end up saying too much, and in saying too much, you lose the clarity. Absolutely, absolutely. And I and I thought this sermon for you was the one where you really figured out that balance of like I've got a lot to say, but I'm not going to say it all. I I'm going to say like. These uh, so simple, good. simple things. So good, Jonathan. And I had three yeah. Fs and two Cs. Too. It was so good. Yeah. Lots of, I, I picked out the alliteration. I'm like, you know, what was it? The, the, the crash crash on the crossroads. crossroads. I was like, all right, some, uh, some alliteration the out crack, there. Crack, yeah. I thought crack. that was just lawyer talk. Okay, third, <laughs> third point. Uh, the third one I would say would be actually like a, a, a talking point that, that you said that I was like, man, that was really good. The whole point of courage and uh, such a timely word right now uh, when – we're coming out of a pandemic. Hopefully we're not entering World War Three. Fear is kind of the prevailing. Yeah. Uh, there's like an anxiety yeah. in our culture right now yeah. that can be paralyzing. And that that passage is perfect for that, of the idea of where, where do you get your courage? And I, I kept thinking about, um, you guys have probably heard Tim Keller uh, talk about this when he talks, he talks about courage and he says, you know, there's different ways to get courage. You can, there's liquid courage at a bar, right? Like, you know, mm. the girl across the bar and you're like, okay, I want to, I'm going to ask her out and you, you take a drink, but what does a drink do? A drink 
literally blurs your reality so that you have courage. And I remember Keller, one of the things that Tim Keller said years ago is, um, do not be dr- uh, drunk with wine, but be, you know, overflowing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit literally does the opposite. And the way you said it, I forgot exactly the word, but you're talking about like these two competing realities, yeah. right? And that's what the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God, it doesn't blur your senses so you don't see reality clearly. It does the opposite. It's like you're seeing the reality that nobody else sees, which is more real than what most people see. And that gives you courage because you're seeing um, from the perspective of eternity as opposed to like what is right in front of you. So that really, that that kind of rocked my world when you said that. I'm like, I love that so competing good. reality thing. Relevant word. Yeah. All right. One, one bit of this... Uh, if we let him preach again. <laughs> if you let him preach. Well, I said it's second sermon. I said, well, this is my whatever, third, ser- third sermon. And, uh, you know, I hope I get to do it again. And Freddie was literally at the Three back door. Three and you're out. And he said, he smiled. He smiled and literally walked out the door. <laughs> I was like, well, this is it. I'm preaching my last sermon. <laughs> yeah, this is going to sound like a cop-out, but I promise it's not. Like, I, like, I really thought, because I, I thought your sermon in January was great, but I thought you took such great strides from there to then. And it was really on the, the whole content piece because I, I felt your pain. Cause I still do that to this day is of like, I've got to preach. Every, like I've got Genesis to, to revelation, yeah, the kingdom Genesis of God, revelation, you know, <laughs> it was a lot. And, uh, you know, and it's really, really hard because like when you, and you guys all know this, like when you're studying, it's like, it's your baby and you want to yeah. tell it, you want to tell it every all. single nugget that you think that, that, that you've obtained. Rachel said yeah. in January, she said, how many slides do you have? That She didn't ask what I was going to say. She didn't know. She said, how many slides? I said, I think I have 65. She said, <laughs> let's make it 20. Good let's make her. it 20. And yep. I made it 65. Uh, and well, I should have listened to her. Probably. I, I was going to say, I, I saw you in the sermon. And I was like, uh, that was what was so impressive. It was like, I saw that there was so much that you knew and could have said. And you didn't. And I know how hard that is. And I was like, just, yeah props because that is hard to do and you did it yes. it was much very very clear very simple so here's 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 my feedback for you so you're uh you had a great great hook you got you got into the sermon quickly without unnecessary like introductions that just I mean sermons mm-hmm. fall so flat when people are like you know want to thank you want to thank you and this is good and all that you know and you know, you gave a couple of funny little introductions, but you got into it quickly. Had a great hook with the picture of, you know, the, mm-hmm. the visual. So, terrifying horse. So listen, named so Shelley. helpful. Well, listen, what you showed in the picture. How old is Nella? She's eight. And, and how old is Max? He's eleven. So every eight and eleven year old immediately identified mm. with your sermon because you showed a picture of him on a horse. So it's like you're going to communicate at a high level to every intellectual in the room. But you just dropped it down on a, another level, mm. probably without even thinking that this is gonna, this is gonna engage. I was actually on the horse Wednesday, <laughs> and I was like, because Max and I both were, were, were truly fearful, and I was like, forty five minutes deep after I was about to fall asleep because this horse was rocking me while it was walking. I was like, if Rachel gets a picture, and by the way, for those who don't know, Rachel was in front of all of us, like doing this horse trick. She's like, have one leg out of the stirrup. She's taking pictures of all of us the entire time. And we're like, you know, like 10 and 2 in it on the, on the reins. But my, my point being, I, it hit me when I was on that horse is that this would be a great pictorial mm. understanding of what I'm trying to say in Scripture. I love it. I love it. That's what's beautiful, too, is like 
is when you give somebody less than a week to prepare. I'm serious. You create space for them to be dependent upon God and not dependent upon That's their study. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my pastor in college once asked me on a Friday there you go. if I would preach on Sunday night. That's what you need to do next time. And yeah, well, I, I will. I mean, you, I'm now believing you <laughs> oh, in yeah. terms of like, I thought you were always joking. No, give no. me a day's notice. No, give me, give me day. Uh, but you know, but I, I think back onto one of the most potent sermons I preached as a college student. Well, it was the day I had three days prep mm. because I didn't overthink it because I didn't feel like I had to run it through the perfect blender, you mm-hmm. know. And I had to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Um, I had enough in me already that I had something to say. But um, so uh, uh, your length of the sermon, great. I didn't listen to all of the second, so the first, the length of the first sermon was great. It's only eight um, minutes longer. So and your it. your genuine passion mm. was a home run. Yeah. It was a home run. Listen, you can get the text right all day long, yeah. But if you can't tell that the one that's communicating has been moved by it themselves, then it's just it just falls so flat. It's you know, and and um, so there's we are made for the transcendence and there's so much noise in our world and in the culture that when we gather with God's people in that sacred moment on Sunday, we need someone standing in front of us that deeply believes with passion what they're about to present. And you did that masterfully. And and I I expressed this to you uh, yesterday and I think Tim last night, but so for those that listen to the sermon, it's probably not the text that I normally would have picked. I would have picked, I joked around, but not seriously, but Genesis 15 when Abraham slits all the animals and Old walks Testament through the river. Blood. Blood yeah, path, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the blood path that I would have absolutely preached. But um, I, preached a, I preached a New Testament passage, which is harder for me to do because it's, it's just harder for me to do. And, and the reason I did it is because the overwhelming hand of God, and I say this, and I don't say this disingenuously, very genuinely, the overwhelming hand of God mm. who is drawing people, Romans 3, drawing people to a family entertainment center. Mm. Um, the city forum where we gather. The city forum where we gather. And literally tens upon tens upon tens of new people every, That's every right. month. Glory to God. And because God is doing that, I think he is saying to us, the members, the congregationals, whoever's showing up, yep. whatever, whoever you are, that it is our now responsibility, it is our opportunity to dig into the faith, into the presence of what he's doing. Yeah. Mm. And I that's why I wanted that's why I wanted that's why I picked that text. That's yeah. why I wanted to do that sermon yeah. is because God is calling us not to heal the sick necessarily. He's not necessarily calling us to do anything special other than just follow what he's doing. Focus in on the reality of there is something going on, and let us let us focus in on that and look at the personhood that's and right. let Him lead right. us. And that's in daily, deeply delighting in God. That's, that's so reading good, His Word and yep. praying and all that. So good. Okay, the only uh, little piece of feedback I've got, yes. and uh, gosh, it's I, I need, I need it's really, okay. It's checking off. It's no, I need to think. Feelings. I need to think more on this, but is. And I love. I feel like you left us with a great tension and a really strong exhortation. And I haven't got to listen to the second service yet, but I did ask you about it a little bit. But um, is this the mercy? No, I don't okay. think so. I don't know. I, it, it's simply this: uh, always make Jesus the hero. Yeah. Right. Mm. So, like, what I loved about that text, and I received the exhortation toward faith. And sometimes you just need to leave people with that tension, right? Like when you're, like when you're reading through the book of Ephesians, and you come to the second half. The first half focuses on what what Jesus has done, 
for us, what the Father has done through the Son and applied to us through the Spirit in salvation, right? So that's the gospel, chapter 1. And you get into the letter, and then it's exhortation. It's like Christian living, right? It's like how to live, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think uh, I, th- I think your exhortation about living out our faith could have given us the thought of uh, we've got to be the hero, right? And what I love about the story you preached was uh, Peter like, is to both be commended and rebuked, right? Mm-hmm. Commended for his faith to step out of the boat, rebuked for his lack of faith, right? And that's what Je- like Jesus rebuked him, and that's where your challenge came from. Your challenge came literally from the words of Jesus. Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Right. So that was, you leaned into that strong. Mm -hmm. I think the only thing I would have added to make Jesus the hero of the sermon would be he grabbed him. Hmm. So second service. Jesus grabbed him. So I don't know what happened first service, first sermon. Do you know what I mean? Oh, no, no, I do. So so, so here's, here's where I felt, here's where I, your exhortation landed on my heart powerfully. Hmm. And then I was like, "Oh crap! But what about when I, what, when what, I what, what about when I doubt? Mm. Praise God, He grabs me. Mm. You know, so so it's not the strength of my faith grabbing Him, right? It's the strength of His hand it's grabbing me in my straps. doubt, right? Yeah. That, it, yeah. Well, in the second sermon, so in the second service sermon, so what I said was, um, I think I told you this, is and I skipped over several, I think several things in the first one, but the second service I said. You know, Peter falls, and we go through the crash at the crossroads. Oh, you did! And I said, and we dog paddle. He didn't. He did. He asked us to dog paddle, and I was (laughs) like, "Well, no, he he didn't ask us to. He didn't do that. Mm. He just like he showed mercy Mm. on the people on his mini retreat when they were going to go away for a few days. He couldn't because they were a sheep without a shepherd. Mm. He reaches down in mercy and pulls him up. Love it. And he still rebukes him, but he did better than the other people in the boat. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they never even saw it. Isn't that, that, I love it. I love it. I wish I'd have heard that in the second service, or in the first service. So, so, so good. So good. Like, as he, like, he's taking us in, but he's not leaving us like we are. He's accepting us where we are. He's grabbing us in, a, in our doubt. But with his very words, he's strengthening our faith. Hmm. And one controversial thing I would don't want to leave on. Oh, this, bring the controversy, baby! But the, the last thing I know, we're running. A little, what else is a, a podcast long. for except yeah. for controversy? But you know, I, I asked, uh, talked about it last night when I got home, and then talked to Rachel about it this morning. I was, but think about what Peter did. He he did fail, but was it sin? Think about this. Did he sin? Isn't it funny? Controversy. Hmm. Well, no. Think about this. He, he he wasn't going after something that was sinful. He was reaching out to something that was great, which was Christ Himself. Yeah, well, mm. I would say I would say I would say all fear that's not fear of God uh, is, is certainly sin. I think yeah. all fear will be obliterated in the new heavens and new earth. So did he? I mean, no, did, we, and we don't have to. Did he? Did he sin? Well, sure he sinned, but was he condemned? No, he wasn't condemned in his sin. So I think it's an interesting thing, and, and the reason I say this in talking about the mercy piece is I think a lot of times we don't want to step out into the water against uh. the surging wind. Why? Why? Because we don't want to fail. Who knows yeah. what the other disciples in that boat didn't yes. see the same thing, mm-hmm. but they're yes. like, I'm not doing it. 
Because you know what? What if I do fail? What if I step in that water and I go kaplunk? Right. And I'm not going to do it. I see that Jesus right. is the way. I see Jesus is who I'm supposed to follow. Yeah. I see what Jesus can do and what I can't. But I don't want to do it because I don't want to fail. And there they're looking at Peter. This is to your point. This is why I want to bring the sin part up. People, podcast listeners, if you're in the Word every day, God's going to meet you there. And when he meets you there, you're going to see the reality that's not been there before that you can see. And when you see that reality, you don't stop. Even in the face of a potential failure, do not stop in going towards Jesus. You may sink, but guess what? Guess where Jesus is going to be, Fred? One of the things I told be pulling, pulling Jonathan up. last night is, you know, we don't think about this as being, this was a discipleship moment. Like Jesus could have like, right. he could have done a sermon about how he's sovereign over the chaotic waters <laughs> and like, I, you know, I control. Right. But this was pure discipleship, not just for Peter, but for the disciples that saw it as well. And it was action oriented. And I think we forget that. We tend to think of, especially in the West, we think of discipleship as knowledge and like what we learn. That's but, right. You know, you look at the Sermon on the Mount. I don't yeah. know that there's much, if any, doc, like it's not doctrine. It's not like, here's what you need to know. It's here's what you need to do. And this was another clear discipleship moment. And I, I love that exhortation of like, God's going to call you to do something that might be scary and you might be fail. You know, you might be a, afraid of failing, but when we step out in faith, God is going to accommodate and meet us where we are. And, and pull I, you I back out that. of the water. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's like the ultimate compliment sandwich, right? Like Jesus grabbed him, mm. right? Like what could be like, what's more powerful than the son of the living God, the one who had no beginning, who will have no end, who spoke the universe into being grabbing your arm, right? And then he has a word of exhortation. Review. We see that from page one and two of the Bible. That's right. The, um, this, I took Elliot on a little man trip, a rite of passage man trip. And we went to UT Martin where I went to school and showed him the ropes out there. And then we went to Cincinnati and we went uh, to the Creation Museum and then the Art Museum and we were exhausted. And we ended the trip a day early because we were just wiped out. I wasn't even going to be there Sunday and I'm so glad I was there to hear you preach. I was too. Uh, uh, but um, uh, one of the things that I was, one of the things that I chose to teach Elliot on this manhood trip was like how to be a conversationalist. Um, he's very, 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 very introverted, man of very, 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 very few words. And so I just gave him some tools and, and, you know, I told him, I was like, okay. And so maybe, maybe podcast listeners, this will be a great skill for you. But I told him, I said, I said, anything that you want to talk to anybody about anytime, you just start with the phrase, tell me about Daniel Cox heard some of this the other day, tell me about, and I said, all, you can always pick what do they enjoy most and what frustrates them most. And you can apply it to anything in their life. And so we practiced it in the car. You know, it's like, I was like, pick Elliot, pick something out about my life uh, that you want to, uh, uh, before you came along, that you want to know about. And say, tell me about what you enjoyed most. And tell me about what frustrated you most. So it's like, what did you enjoy? And so he said, tell me about what you enjoyed most about uh, growing up with your sisters or you know, something like that. You know. Well, then we go to a restaurant. And I'm like, okay, buddy. You're gonna you're gonna practice. You're gonna practice with the waitress, you know. Wow. So he like totally manned up, you know, and he totally did it with the waitress, you know, and uh, totally out of his comfort zone. But what I what I was wanting him to see was like you were talking about. There's like this discipleship mm-hmm. moment with with Peter, where it's like, hey, practice. We're gonna I'm gonna invite you out on the boat, you know. You're gonna freak out, but it's like you know, and um, but I just wanted him to see. Look, here's the deal. 
you're not naturally inclined toward conversation. So I'm going to give you some tools that work with anybody in any setting for the rest of your life. And all you have to remember is tell me about enjoyed frustrated, and you can use it in any setting and it's going to work. And, um, but when you talked about that moment of Jesus inviting Peter out, like Mm. this was a very earthy, a very earthy experiential discipleship moment. It wasn't a sermon. It was a, let's put it into practice. Let's live this out, you know? And, and so anyways, it just immediately made me think about Elliot at the table. I love that that story. But in the second service, this is what I told you. I I use this word practice. And and the reason I say it is because we all think once we come to Jesus, right, we got it. That's right. We, and he's perfect, and so now we're perfect, and, and it's not that way at all. And salvation is the destination and not the starting gun. So sanctification yeah. Yeah. is a practice every single day, Love and it. you're going to just get better, and you're going to get better, and you're going to see more of the reality. Timmy, do you have any Tim Nussbaumer in the house? Thank you for being on the podcast today. Oh, it was so fun, brother. Do you have any closing comments, exhortation, anything to real life, anything to Jonathan or me, anything on your heart? Love you guys. Love you, brother. I, I, I love what you're doing here. Um, one of my favorite things to do when I come back to Clarksville is to come to real life church. And uh, even like speaking last year, looking out and seeing so many familiar That's faces. Right. Timmy gave October. us one of our seven minute gone. sermons. Check was, it off, JV. Check gone. it off. Yeah. yeah. No, Gene. But, you were there in Gene. I was, I was. but yeah, I, I love what you guys are doing and excited to see what God does. I want to put a little uh, advertisement in presence practice. If you're, a, if you're a podcast, I know we have some podcast folks out there. Present practice. Look up presence. Presence practice. Yep. Yeah. Tim Newsbomber. He does a weekly, almost weekly pod. He's got a new one going on. It's really incredible. I heard his first, first uh, uh, episode in it. it uh, just two words about it real quick so people can listen to it. It's yeah. really, really, really something that's applicable to a lot of people today. Yeah, uh, we're basically going through a series talking about people that are either losing their faith or going through doubt, trying to figure, reformulate like what they believe. And so interviewing philosophers and uh, uh, Christian counselors, all, all sorts of folks about this phenomenon. And a so very relevant topic for sure. Definitely. So if Dig you know, into it if you like. I'm not even a subscriber. What's it called? Presence practice. Presence practice. Presence, really cool. Yeah, practice. yeah if it. you know of anyone that is struggling What's with What's the word faith, that they used in the book? Uh, de- deconstruction. So yeah. it's called deconstruction, but Timmy does a great job in untangling <laughs> yeah, deconstruction. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I know two people in my mind today that are going through this very thing, very used to be under godly authority, under godly teaching, and completely are rejecting mm. what they heard and what they believe. Well, their it's, faith is now kind of unraveling. Yep. Yep. And yep. so so that's what this series is about. I was on the plane coming back and heard it, and I was uh, I, I, I sent Timmy a text. I was like, this is, this is going to be great. And so, to be clear, yes. it's not an exhortation and encouragement to allow your faith to unravel. It's nope. how to no. prevent your faith from unraveling. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, right. and, and, and really the analysis of why it's occurring. I th- and I hope we find some solutions, Tim. I can't one wait. More time, one more time, <laughs> so, the name of the podcast you is? Said, you said Presence Practice. Great. Yep. So search that on wherever you listen to podcasts. And Timmy, would you just pray for us, pray for our people, pray for our listeners? Would love it. Yeah. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for uh, this day. I thank you for my brothers. It's great just to uh, laugh, but also just be incredibly grateful for uh, your presence in our lives and the way that we've been able to encourage and exhort each other, uh, spur each other on to loving you and to loving um, our neighbor better. And I I, I don't take that for granted, and we're uh, so appreciative of that. And so, Father, I just thank you for... Uh, Freddie and Jonathan in Real Life Church and the ministry that they're doing here. I hear their heart. I see it. And I know 
that the best is yet to come, not yes. because of them, but because of who That's you are right. in them. Thank and you, just pray your blessing on their church. And I pray that uh, with Easter coming up, that this would be a season mm. of just uh, fruit where we would see people that bend their knee and enter into the eternal life, life over the top, abundant life that's found in you. Yes, and that we could just celebrate yes, that this Easter. Yes, uh, you're a good God, a loving God. I thank you for this conversation. I pray uh, that it blesses people, that it yeah. encourages them. May we learn to step out of the boat yes, Lord. and to trust you and to keep our eyes on you. Yes, Lord. You're a good God. We love you so much. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I keep it real. Keep it, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.